series on the book of Jonah. Aren't you glad it's finished? Amen. And aren't you glad it's Jesus that fought for you and you don't have to fight for yourself? Some years ago, there was a man who was in the ministry. Uh, You can argue back and forth whether the man was talented, gifted, or what, but he was faithful. Through a series of events that happened in his life, he walked away from ministry. Some years passed and uh, many attempts of people to rescue him. They all failed and then something miraculous happened. He met an old preacher and he and the preacher became friends. And through their friendship, he was brought under conviction. He repented of his rebellion and he restored fellowship with the Lord. He was called in the ministry those many, many years ago. Uh, he had, his wife had an affair on him, left him, and he was bitter against the Lord. I have in my office a cassette tape of him preaching before all this happened. And the man said he preached on all the disciples and when Jesus was on the cross and how all the disciples fled and left him and he pounded on the pulpit. And he said, I'll never, I'll never do that to my Jesus. I'll never do that to you, Lord. And he did. But through the grace and mercy of God, who is plenteous in mercy, he's a pastor today in a thriving church that's passionate about worshiping the Lord and preaching the gospel. Just because you've messed up doesn't mean you're finished. God is the God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth and for some of us, tenth. And 70 times 70. Who knows about that, right? God has given every one of us a second chance in this room. How do I know that? Because every one of us has failed. And something that we need to remember is our salvation is not contingent upon us and what we do. Our salvation is contingent upon what Jesus Christ has done for us. This passage of Scripture... In Jonah chapter 3, 10 short verses, is about the goodness and the mercy of our Lord. I'm reminded in Romans chapter 2, the Bible says that it is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. So many times we want to focus on the judgment, we want to preach hellfire and brimstone and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm telling you, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. If we take people to God, we take people to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they see Him in all of His beauty, they will be drawn to Him. We come to the text this morning. In Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1, and the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah... The second time. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Father, we ask you to bless the reading of your word. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would enable me to communicate what you've given me. Help us to focus, Lord. I know that 
our minds wander and we are tempted to think about things in the future, things that have not yet happened, things that will happen perhaps later. We're prone to think about all of the activities we have to get done in a short amount of time. But Lord, can we come apart from all of that and focus clearly upon You, upon Your Word, and may we grow stronger in our faith and our love and our devotion to You. God, we love You and we praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. And the Word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Do you know that the Bible is full of examples of men receiving second chances? How about Adam? How about Abraham? Moses? Joshua? You say, well, wait a minute, what about Joshua? Remember, Joshua, they lost that little battle at Ai because they had stolen, one of the men had stolen some of the goods and he wasn't supposed to. And they lost a battle that they should have won. God gave them a second chance. How about Joseph? How about Job? How about David? How about Samson? Peter? Oh, Peter. The one who denied Christ. He'd been with Jesus for three years and denied Jesus. And Jesus told him he was going to do it before he did it. How about the woman caught in the act of adultery, the very act? How about Paul? The Apostle Paul? How about you? And how about me? The word of the Lord came the second time. Notice, this is the time after he had run from God. After God had dealt with him. After God brought something into his life, a traumatic experience. He prepared a whale. And people get on me all the time. It's a great fish and these scholars. You know, it's not a whale. Well, Jesus called it a whale in Matthew 12.40. And I'm going with Jesus over a scholar. Alright? And so, we don't go to... When I grew up in Sunday school, and I went and heard... They didn't say, we're going to tell you the story today about Jonah and the great fish. No. Jonah and the whale. That's why I call it the whale. And so God prepared this whale, and this whale swallowed Jonah, and the seas you know, were on Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days, and he, he came to himself, and he prayed, he repented, and he prayed, he cried out to God. It was then... Now listen to me. It was then that the word of the Lord came to him a second time. If you're not where you're supposed to be in your walk with the Lord today, let me encourage you. Repent today. Confess and repent. Because God can bring you to where you only can look to Him. That's where Jonah was. And then the word of the Lord came to him a second time. Notice what the scripture says. Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. It's the same exact call he was given prior to his being fish food. The same exact. So Jonah, verse 3, So Jonah arose... And went unto Nineveh according to the word 
of the Lord. Why did Jonah go? Because of the word of the Lord. And what I want you to see here, guys, is this is on full display for us. God's mercy and His grace on full display for everyone to see. You know good and well if that would have been us, if we were in the place of God, and Jonah rebelled against us, and Jonah didn't do what we wanted to do, we would have sentenced Jonah to the belly's well until forever. We'll fix him real good. But God loved Jonah. And not only did God love Jonah, God loved the people of Nineveh. Yes, they were a wicked city. Yes, they were the enemy number one to the Jews. But God still loved them. And we need to remember that. And so Jonah goes. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. That's how they measured the distances back then. It was about a three days' journey from one side of Nineveh to the other. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. So he's a little less than halfway in the middle of the city. He stops and he begins to preach the message God told him to preach. And he cried and he said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And I find it an amazing thing. Jonah is now doing what God wants him to do and there's no inclination in the Bible of whether or not Jonah is happy about it. There's nothing in there that says that Jonah is gleeful or joyful or anything about it. It just says he goes. He's obedient. And he goes and he does what God told him to do. And look at verse 5. So the people of Nineveh, get this, believe God. The people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. This is incredible. See what's going on here. Jonah comes into the city and he preaches a message 40 40 days and the city's gone. It'll be destroyed. It'll be over 40 days and that's it. What does he do? What happens? Well, the people believe God. And the people believe God so adamantly. Get this. Here's what happens. It goes all the way to the king. Now, this is a pagan king. And the pagan king hears about it. And his first act is he stands up off his uh, throne, he takes off his robe, and he puts on sackcloth and ashes as a sign of repentance and mourning. He believes the message also. Now you'll find next week, this is the very thing that Jonah didn't want to happen because he hated Nineveh. He hated Nineveh. Now Jonah is a lot like we are. Jonah loves the mercy of God when we get it, but when someone else we hate gets it, we don't like it very well. We want God to unleash the wrath of hell on them. We do. But God's not that way. Verse 7, He calls it to be proclaimed or published through Nineveh by the decree of king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. He proclaimed a nationwide fast. That would be like the President of the United States saying, I am proclaiming a fast no one is going to eat, no one is going to drink. 
But what you will do, verse 8, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Capital G-O-D. The real God. The only God. The true God. Not any of these little, little G-gods. This is the God. Let them everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. The king is calling for national repentance. To turn from the evil and turn to God. And he says in verse 9, Who can tell if God will turn and repent? That, more, that word repent, God does not repent. He's not a man who doesn't repent. It means relent. It means to uh, stay from His fierce anger. Stay His judgment from them. Verse 10, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented of the devastation that He said He would do unto them. And he did it not. Ten verses. Powerful message. God is the God of second chances. Number one, God's not finished with you because you messed up. I don't know about you, but I look in the history of my life and there's more mess ups than there are victories. The road of my life is littered with failures, rebellion, disobedience, And God, in all of His great goodness and mercy, loved me enough to forgive me. God's not finished with you. And let me just tell you, I still believe that for the greatest thing anyone can do is can be on mission with God. Whatever God's called you to do, if you're a believer, God's called you to do something. And whatever it is He has called you to do, whatever it is He's called me to do, you will never have joy, you will never have peace in your life until you submit to that calling on your life. Amen. We can fill our activities, we can fill our life with meaningless things, thinking we're busy, thinking we're having a great time. But I tell you, you will never know true fulfillment, you'll never know true peace until you get on board with God. Jonah's not there yet. But he will be. They call him the reluctant prophet. He goes, it's like us. You know, when we were kids and your dad tells you to do something. Well, I don't like it, but I'm going to do it. And you always stand a distance away so you don't get smacked. Well, used to. Nowadays, you know, you get time out. I'm just saying. God's not finished with you because you messed up. There are people who once used to come to this church who no longer are even in church because they messed up. There are people in perhaps in this church who have messed up and they're not serving the Lord and they're not real zealous about serving the Lord because they they can't get over their mess up. Let me tell you, you will mess up. You will fail. There will be a time in your life when you are disobedient. Now, I know that, it, uh, I know that I'm not being the uh, positive influence I should be, but I'm just trying to tell you the truth. We've got to stop going through the motions. We have to return where God is preeminent. Christ is preeminent in our lives. Everything He wants us to do... We do. 
And we understand and we come to the realization, as Jonah will, by the end of the chapter 4, he comes to the realization that God's way is best. God's way is best. So God's not finished with you because you messed up. Number two, God will not send you somewhere for nothing. I find this amazing. God could have used any number of prophets, prophets we don't even perhaps know about. God could have used someone else who might have been more evangelistically uh, savvy. Someone who cared more about the Assyrians than Jonah. But God chose Jonah. And God sent Jonah to Nineveh. And Jonah wanted to go to Tarshish. But God said, no, you're going to Nineveh. And through his chastisement upon him, he goes to Nineveh. And it was, for not, it was not for nothing. He goes in and he cries out. And we have the whole nation repenting. That's a phenomenal thing. Some hundred years later, the, the, the nation is destroyed because, again, they turned from God. We're talking about Nineveh and Assyria. But at the time, the people listened to the response. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Jonah, no doubt, had it in his mind. These people will not believe God. They're our enemies. Why would they submit to our God? Why would they listen to me, a Jew? They are my enemy. I hate them. I don't care if they die, if they float off into the ocean. I don't care. And to prove I don't care, I'm going to go to Tarshish. And God says, oh no, you're not. You're going to Nineveh because there is a purpose for you in Nineveh. God doesn't send you somewhere for nothing. You're not here by coincidence. Either you believe in the providence of God or you believe in coincidence. I do not believe in coincidence. And you are here for a reason. God's not shocked that you were born when you were born. God's saying, Phew, I didn't see that, Jason, going to Shawnee Hills. That blows my mind. God never has thoughts like that. Everything is under the control of Almighty God. And the quicker we learn this, the better we'll understand that when God says go, we go because there's a purpose. He has a plan in Nineveh. He has a purpose for Jonah in Nineveh. He has a purpose for Shawnee Hills Baptist Church to be tucked down here in Eden Park between these hills. He has a plan and a purpose. And God is the God of second chances. I feel like we almost have a second chance after having come through a pandemic. But now, there's something even more important. The third thing I see in this text is that God wants you to be obedient and He will do the rest. People have told me before, well, I'd like to do this, but I just, I just don't think I can do it. Well, you can't. That's why God gives you a spiritual gift. That's why God will enable you to do it. 
There was a book written years ago by John Piper. I think it's Brethren, We Are Not Professionals. And it was a call to leave the CEO business mentality model of church back to a ministry model of church where Jesus Christ is the Lord and we are submitted to Him and we do His work and we are obedient unto Him and we just follow Him and let Him deal with all the consequences. Charles Stanley, and I wrote it in one of my Bibles, he preached in one of his life principles in his Bible, is obey God and leave all the consequences to Him. That's brilliant. God doesn't want you to figure everything out. He wants you to go to Nineveh. He wants you to preach the message He gave you. God doesn't want you to have this elaborate, laid out plan that you're going to do this, this, and this. God wants you to go. God will take care of that. How many times have we... How many of you have ever driven a car that does not have power steering? What's the easiest way to turn a car that doesn't have power steering? Get it moving. Get it moving. When you are moving with God and you are willing to be obedient, He will put you where He wants you and you will benefit from it. Okay, so what? So what? There's two great, three great messages I want to say and then we'll finish up. Number one, God is full of mercy and grace. I have a couple of scriptures I'd like to share with you. Psalm 86, verse 5. And the word of the Lord says, For thou, Lord, art good, and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Did you get that? He's ready. He's ready to forgive. He's plenteous of mercy unto all them who call upon His name. Psalm 86.15 Notice what the the Lord says. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and what? Gracious. Long suffering. You know what that means? Putting up with you and me. And plenteous in mercy and truth. This text teaches us more about God than it does about Jonah. Because I can identify with Jonah, but I don't understand the mercy of God. I don't get it. I don't get it. You see, that leads me to the number two thing we need to learn about this text. And maybe you should write this one down because to me this just blows my mind. God knows you better than you know yourself. And guess what? He still loves you. God knows you better than you know yourself, and He still loves you. Do you think that God didn't know that Jonah was going to flee to Tarshish? Of course He did. He's God. He knows everything. There has never been a time when anything has ever occurred to God. He knows the beginning, and like the, the end like the beginning, and the beginning like the end. There's no difference to Him. He sees everything, knows all. He is God. And God knows that when you failed in your past, He knew that you would fall, and He, in spite of that, still loves you and offers to you a second chance. An opportunity for you to get it right with Him. Do you know that you and I are never more than a prayer away from the Lord? 
A prayer of confession and repentance. Remember, confession is I confess, I say my sin. I agree with God that it's a sin. I don't go to God and say, well, God, I did this because of, well, you know, so-and-so made me do it. They, no, no, that's not, that's not confession. Confession is, God, I agree with you. It's sin. It's awful. It's what costs Jesus to go to the cross. Even though it's a little white lie, it is a sin. And I confess it. And repentance is I turn from it. I see it as God sees it, and I turn to Him, and I repent of it. Repentance just doesn't happen at salvation. It's an ongoing thing in the life of the believer. And the reason a lot of believers will confess their sin and fall right back into the same trap over and over again is because they don't repent of it. They don't change their mind and see it despicably as God sees it. So we pray a prayer of confession and a prayer of repentance. And then number three, God will reward you for your faithfulness. Jonah goes to Nineveh and preaches and all of these people repent. I wonder if Jonah and and Jeremiah have a conversation in heaven. I wonder what it's like for Jonah to hear from a man who preached for 50 years, who was imprisoned for his preaching, and had not one convert. Not one. When he preached the message of God, people lauded him, they laughed at him, and then they even locked him up in jail because of it. And here Jonah doesn't want to go, and he goes, and then all these people repent. One day when we stand before Jesus Christ, it's not going to matter all of the earthly accolades we had. What's going to matter is, have we been obedient and faithful to Jesus Christ? And Jesus Christ will reward us for our faithfulness. Even if you've messed up, you can get that right and be on your way to reward. Look at Revelation twenty-two, twelve. We're nearing the end of the Bible in this verse. And notice what it says. We'll pull it up here in just a second. Maybe. That's why I carry my Bible. Rely on electronics. I know that they're ready for it. Revelation twenty-two, twelve says this. And behold, I come quickly. And notice this. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Nearing the end of the Scriptures, the last chapter in the Bible, Jesus tells us He's coming again, and with Him He is bringing the reward for those who work the work He's called them to. When you stand before Jesus Christ, it will not matter all of the earthly stuff you have. It will not matter your stature in the community. What matters is what you have done with Jesus Christ. Now, when I go back over these three major 
points I learned from this scripture. It convicts me. Because really I have no excuse for staying in rebellion. Because God is full of mercy, He's full of grace, He's ready to forgive, and He's plenteous in mercy, the Bible says, to all those who call upon Him. God knows that I would mess up and He still loves me and He gives me a second chance. And when I take opportunity of that second chance, one day He will reward me with those crowns that I in turn take and cast at His feet for His glory to magnify His name. Because I tell you, there is no one like Jesus. There is no one who saw the resurrected Jesus Christ and stayed the way they were. Not one. John on the Isle of Patmos, when he saw the resurrected Lord, he fell on his face as though he were dead. There's no one like our God. There's no one that's full of mercy and compassion. There's no one that will give you the chance that God will. Knowing that we'll fail Him, He still gives us that mercy. Now we, on the other hand, we have a task. And I'm serious when I say this. Church people can be some of the cruelest people. We forget that we too have fallen. And many times we look at someone who's trying to get the mercy and grace of God in their life and trying to get back on track. And we look at them and we think, man, they're crazy. Look, you see what they're doing? They're out of their mind. If I was God, I'd show them. I'd really give them a good whipping. And we don't know what's going on in their lives. We don't know that God and His wisdom is working on them. We ought to love them and pray for them. We ought to go after them even harder. Those who have fallen, those who are on their way to Tarshish, we ought to reach out to them and love them and show them the same mercy and compassion that the Lord Jesus Christ shows us. We should never stop. Because the Bible teaches us that what God gives us, we don't keep it. We give it to others. And so Jonah 3 is all about receiving... And giving the goodness of God. The mercy of God. And I challenge you this morning. I don't know where you are, but listen. If you've messed up, come home. Confess and repent to Him today. He is ready to forgive based on the eternal Word of God. God's called you to do something and and many of us had to stop doing what we were doing during the pandemic. I mean, if it wasn't for the technology I hate, I probably wouldn't have been able to do anything during the pandemic. But God made a way for us. And as we start back up, may God give us a second chance. Man, this might be the second chance we need starting back up after this coronavirus thing. Maybe people are sensitive and hungry for the Word of God. Let's take the mercy of God and let's go after Him. Because God is the God of second chances. 
Would you bow with me for prayer?